Hi, I'm Pastor James, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church in Hillsborough, Oregon. Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so each weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please visit our website at www.isunrise.com, I-S-O-N-R-I-S-E.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you, grow along the journey of life with others, develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost, and then learn how to lead other people to know Jesus Christ. Now, on to our weekend message. Glad you guys are here. Uh, my name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and so I get the honor and privilege every once in a while to speak on the stage and communicate God's Word. Uh, something I want to do a little bit different this morning is I'm going to encourage you to read the Bible with me um, just from the start. So uh, we're going to go to Matthew 19, verses 16 through 26. And so that is actually in the, if, in case you don't have a smartphone that has a Bible on it or something like that, you can open up the Bible in front of the, from the chair in front of you and go to page 750. 750. I'll give you a moment to turn there. You know, I believe as we open God's word and we read God's word that it comes alive and it can change us and the spirit can move inside of it. And through that, Man, we can be more conformed to who Christ is, and we can be freed of the bondage that we live in and the sin, and God can come and dwell in our lives. So um, that's why I always think it's important to get in the Word and really open it up and, and see what God has stored for us today. So there's going to there's gonna be a lot of different things going on, but let's just read through it together. We're going to start, like I said, Matthew 19, verse 16, page 750 in the Chairback Bible. So someone came to Jesus with the question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments. The young man replied, what else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. All right, let's pray. Lord, I just... I'm, I'm so grateful that your word is alive and well and that in it is transformation and in it we can find ourselves in the story and that you can speak to us and come into our lives and, and help us realize what we really need is you and we need a savior because we're so full of sin, God. And I just thank you that your mercy is new every day. Your grace 
abounds us. And some of us just came in with a lot of different problems and issues that are waiting for us as soon as we walk out this door or are sitting inside our cell phone right now. And so I just pray that you would uh, help us put those aside and that you would come and work in our life right now and that you would come and speak to us on so many levels as there's so many things going on in this text, Lord, just make it come alive for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So if you guys didn't know, that's my uh, wife up here before me doing the announcements, Annie. Um, And so we kind of, we get the privilege of working together. And I know you guys are all thinking like, dude, what'd you do? You married up? I was like, yeah, I did. So, um, (laughs) um, but we, she gets to do the homeless shelter and a lot of the outreach that we do here at Sunrise into the community. And I oversee a lot of the serve we do. So a lot of the weekend teams you see out there greeting you and whatnot, um, as well as some of our like food pantry and clothes closets, some of those operations I oversee as well. And so because those are kind of the areas we both oversee, we work a lot together. Um, we actually work in the same office and we're still married. I promise. And, uh, so we, we have a lot of fun though, cause we make a great team and we love working together and God's really kind of, um, really made a really good match in us for becoming a team at home and at work. And we love what we get to do. We love what God shows us every day. And we get to um, have meetings in our office that we work together. We have meetings at home. It feels like sometimes when we're wrestling through some things. Um, but <laughs> depending on the time of the year, depending on the season, one of us is either attached to the other one. And what I mean by that is that we're coming in on the shelter season, which is when she has a lot more work going on and is a lot more popular within the church um, world and the community. And I get associated as Annie's husband for the next three months. I'm, I'm okay with that. That's a good place to be. And like, oh, we haven't met you before. Like, what do you do? Well, I'm actually, I work at the church as well. But, uh, and that's how it always used to be because she did the shelter. I've been, I don't even, I don't have her to reference now. It's been like seven, eight, nine years. She's been around doing it. So I've always been Annie's husband. Like it's, it's a good spot for me and I like it. I don't like the spotlight, but, uh, it started to change the last two years as I've come on as a pastor here at sunrise. She's starting to, uh, she's starting to be my wife. And I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah, see, I got some credit going on here. Things are well. But uh, it's one of those great things where we just do so much together. And it's it's such a blessing and it's such a privilege and honor that I really get to do this with my wife as a team. And one of the things that happens during, depending on who's the busiest this time of the year or when it's coming around, the person who's the busiest between us is always trying to rush out the like get out of church and get home because they're tired. And they want to get home. They want to sleep because they got to go back at it again. And that's the season we're currently in where she's the one rushing me out the door. Where the other time of the year, it's me rushing her out the door. So then on Friday night, we're running into this issue of she's trying to rush me out the door. And like me, because my mind's like here and there and everywhere. I like, she's like, let's go. And I go, you know what? It's a good time to clean out the front of my Bible. I'm like, I'm kind of looking through it. I'm going through the front. I keep a lot of things in the front of my Bible. Not so much anymore because I cleaned it out. But um, I got like my wedding vows in here. Just in case I forget what I said that day. You know, I'm like, there's a lot I forgot I said. (laughs) Um, But I got some, maybe some important notes in here. I don't know. I didn't throw this out, so it must be something important. But uh, one of the other things I found in there that night as I'm going through it is I found my, uh, my 2016 goals. And I'm reading through this and she's trying to rush me and pull me out the door. And I'm like, babe, look at what I wrote a year ago. 
this is fantastic. And it's like, it's in color. If you can see that from where you're at, each one's a different color. I got green, yellow, pink, purple, red. That's my mind, you know, working in spots, different areas, you know, all over the place. And I start looking at this and I start immediately laughing because I'm like, I can get any of this done. (laughs) Work out four times a week. (laughs) But, uh, and then I love it because I go a little bit further down and I go compete in a triathlon. Good intentions. But what I really love about it is I got my order right. Because right before competing in a triathlon, I had to buy a bike. Like, to be in a triathlon, you have to have a bike. So at least I had my goals kind of right in that sense. And then the workout was right before that. So I was like, you know, at least my thought process was going well on what what I needed to do first to get up to that point. Then I look at some of the stuff on here, and I'm like, hey, I did a decent job. We got some good financial goals. Um, We have, like, lead a small group. We're leading this young couple small group right now, or they're leading us. But, hey, we're a part of it, so it's all good. Um, We had to go on a mission trip. Um, so we went on a mission trip. We went down to Mexico. It was a lot of, a lot of fun doing that. Um, we were saying make more friends. You know, we wanted more friends in the church. Um, just a lot of actually good goals that we did accomplish. And then I have like one like make dinner more on here. I don't know what that was about. Um, but, you know, some of these we did a really good job. Uh, one of the other ones on here that I, I love is like, and this is the first goal I wrote. So this tells you kind of where the list was going right away. Uh, I was like, complete 18 credits of school. So obviously I had school on my mind, which is usually not the case at all. So I don't know what this was. This was definitely a guy who was aiming for the new year. Um, and I, so I completed my undergraduate and I've enrolled back in a master's program. And it was like my January was like my first month back in and doing it. And I was like, I must've been super excited. Like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to just get 18 credits done throughout the year. It's going to be fantastic. And I'm like, I look at the year now. I'm like, I got nine credits done. So, and so you're like, that's not bad. I know. But like, look what I was shooting for. I'm just not, you can call that halfway. So I was like, I I start laughing and I'm looking at this list. I'm like, I got no chance at being where I want to be on the rest of this list. But, uh, it's kind of funny because I look at this list and I say, it's not, it's not who I am. That's not where I ended up this year. I had all these expectations and dreams and things I hoped to accomplish, but none of that came to fruition. Or I'd say only half of it came to fruition. And I think a lot of dreams that we all have don't come to fruition. And I, what happens when, that, that, when we have all these expectations of ourselves and these expectations of people in our life and we're sitting in this reality that it's not happening. We have all these dreams. We've had dreams, some of us dreams for five years, maybe 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. We've had these dreams and they're still dreams. And what happens when the expectations that you had for yourself aren't the reality of where you live today? Because a lot of us had great expectations for ourselves. Maybe it was just expectations for this past year or expectations for what was 20 years ago. And the reality of where we're at is not there anymore. And we could talk about personal dreams or we could talk about relationships too. You know, I, I, Annie and I've been married for two years and I can tell you that I was hoping that it was going to be perfect and we were going to complete each other and I would find everything I needed in my wife. And that is the furthest thing from biblical or truth. And I need God to feel complete. You know, that's the reality of it. But 
what happens when we expect that, you know? What happens when we expect, we came in expecting all our, to have this great relationship with our parents, maybe with our siblings, maybe with our sons and daughters. And something happened this last year, and they're just, you're just not as close anymore. And they're not actually here at service with you, which you were hoping, which, what you were doing a year ago from now, maybe. And that's not the reality that you live in anymore. Maybe your world has changed completely, and you didn't know this is where you'd be sitting right now. Because your expectations were so much different. And so what do we do when the... Because we all have expectations. Society tells us of our expectations for others and ourselves and where we should be and what we should be doing. And so what happens when we see these expectations versus our reality and there's this gap in between? What do we do with that gap? What do we do with that? And I think there's kind of two types of people out there or two solutions and some of it's combined. One of it is you look at this gap of where you're not at in your life and everything you haven't achieved and look at how far you have to go and realize I got no chance. I got no chance. I might as well just walk away now. Like there's look at that. Look how far I am. Look how deep I am in this sin. Look at how far I have to go. And it's disheartening. And you say, you just walk out the door and you just quit and you throw in the towel and that's it. And then there's some people, and maybe this is you, you see this gap and you start immediately trying to fix it. You immediately just start going to work. Like, I'm going to save the relationship. I'm going to get, get more involved here. I'm going to stop, you know, stop doing what I shouldn't be doing. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to run at this. Or maybe you're a little bit of both. Some things you're like, I'm going to just give up. I don't have a chance. Other things I'm just going to, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to, I'm, I, can, I can get this piece of it. I mean, what happens when our expectations of ourselves and where we hope to be and where we hoped we would be at is not the place that we find ourselves in right now? Because I think we're all there. I think we're all there in some way or another. Relationship, money, investments, you name it. I mean, you came in, maybe the job you're working is not where you wanted to be. And we're going to run into the same situation today with this guy. This rich young ruler comes in and he has all the expectations in the world. He had this, he obviously had this gap because he comes to Jesus, but he had all these expectations that all the money, all the possessions, all this stuff that he had, we know he has all these possessions because we already read the story, that that would fill him, that that would make him feel secure, that that would be where he finds his joy and peace and contentment is in owning the world. But it's not because if we were to look at Mark's account of this story, Mark would actually tell you that this guy came running to Jesus and he was on his knees in front of Jesus. That's the reality of this guy that he had everything. He achieved more than most of us in this room achieved. And he's running to Jesus because he feels this, this hole, this gap, this spot that just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. There's stirring, it's keeping him up at night. And if we're honest, when we run to Jesus, it's usually because we're, we're crying and we don't feel at rest. So that's what this guy's dealing with. That's what he's got going on in his life. There's turmoil that he might not have eternal life, that he might not have security. His expectation of what he thought owning the world would mean and the reality of where he's at, there's a gap. And what he's doing is he's running to Jesus for the fix. And so we pick up in the story as he comes into Jesus, it says, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? What must I do? And Jesus is quick to point out, he says, there's only one who is good. 
It's like, what are, you, what are you trying to say, Jesus? It's like, what is this? And Jesus is getting right at the heart of the point. is saying, see, you're associating good with works. You're associating the word good with deeds. There's only one who's good. It's God. The only word good should be associated with is God because he's good. And this, so he's, he's telling this guy that his perspective is, is basically messed up. He's coming in. He's achieved everything. He's gotten everything. He's done it himself. He has the get mentality. And Jesus is pointing him to the only one who can actually give. That's what he's doing. He's pointing to God. And so Jesus kind of shows him, hey, your perspective's a little messed up, but you know what? We can, we can move on. I'll answer the question for you. It's saying keep the commandments. That's what you need to do. Keep the commandments. You want eternal life? Keep the commandments. That's an easy solution. And when he says this, he's referring to all 613 commandments in the Old Testament. That's what Jesus is saying. Keep all 613 commandments. Good luck. It's not happening. But this guy, he might understand that to a point because his next response back to Jesus is which ones? Which ones? He's already starting to possibly justify a little bit of like, well, maybe I can't keep all the commandments. Maybe I don't have it all together. Maybe I, I can't do this a little bit. And so he says, well, which, which ones? There's, you can't keep all of them, can you? I mean, and so Jesus, Jesus responds. He says, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely and honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you were to look at those up there, you would realize there's six sentences, six commandments. But five of them you could find in the Ten Commandments, which the Ten Commandments would be a summarization of the entire 613 commandments. It kind of like summarizes them up into ten. And so Jesus is listing five of the Ten Commandments that Moses came down off the mountain with back in the Old Testament. These are, these are, this is the law. This is what you're held up against right here. And so he lists five of them. And then he throws in a sixth one at the end. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Great. Okay. Awesome. Doesn't mean a whole lot besides love your neighbor as yourself. But to the Jews, what this would have meant was a, this, would, this phrase right here, love your neighbor as yourself, would have been a summarization of the last six Ten Commandments. So in this, he's... Jesus is saying, keep the last six of the Ten Commandments. That's what you need to do. And all of these commandments have to do with your treatment and love of others. That's what it has to do with how you treat others, how you treat your neighbor, how you love them. That's what he's saying. Keep, keep those commandments. And it seems like, okay, maybe we could almost say they're, maybe they're a little easier. Maybe, you know, maybe. I don't know. It depends who your family is, right? <laughs> but really, I think what's more important here is what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus leaves out four commandments. Leaves out the first four of the Ten Commandments. And, which we'll just read them for a second. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. All four of those have to do with God. Your relationship with God. And so Jesus tells them to, you know, 
do these ones that is your relationship with others, but he leaves out the four that have to do with his relationship with God. Could it be that he left them out because this guy had left it out? Because he could have gone through this right here and we could say, you shall have no other gods before me. And we could say, dude, you're out. You lost that one. You got all these possessions and obviously you're clinging on to him because we know the story. You shall not make idols. Well, you have a lot of idols because that's you run away. And you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. He's not glorifying God's name probably with all these possessions that he has. And remember to keep, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, which is all about reflecting on God and your relationship with God. And at the end of a heavy work week when maybe you forgot about God, it's a chance to come back to God. <laughs> but really, these all have to do with your relationship with God. That's what they're there for. And so these are the ones you need to keep because it has to do with relating to the Father. And so why Jesus doesn't mention these, we could, we could speculate a lot of things, but this guy didn't have these. He didn't have it. And so you could say that Jesus is pointing to God once again in the second question by leaving these out. Which is kind of a key detail in that sense. But this guy, he kind of, we see who we're dealing with because his next statement is, I've obeyed all these commandments. I've obeyed all of them. I've, I've done all this work, which is kind of like a naive thought process because you probably haven't obeyed all 613 of the commandments that have to do with treatment of others. Like it is hard to love people as much as you love yourself. All right. It is hard. It is very hard. And so we kind of get the idea of what we're working with, with this guy that he's maybe in his mind, he has achieved this, but we kind of see from the reality that he might not really live in the true reality of what it is and be justifying where he's at. But he, he comes up with the sentence of this next question and says, what else must I do? What else must I do? Jesus like, I, I've done all this. What else must I do? And so that kind of leaves us with this, with this point to saying that like, you could obey all the commandments. You could be a good Christian. You could show up to church every Sunday and you could still feel a restlessness in your soul because he thought he was doing it all, regardless if he did or not. He felt that he had achieved all that and he still felt that he lacked something. And I think that's a good note for all of us who have been doing our best to follow Jesus or to come in and look the part of a Christian and to do the right thing. The saying, hey, that's awesome. That's great. I love it that you're here, but there's so much more than that. But what Jesus does is he, he understands where this guy is coming from and he, he kind of answers straight at the point for him. He's like, you want something to do? All right, perfect. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. This guy's been getting his entire life, right? We've been talking about it. He's been getting, he's been doing it himself. He has this self-work mentality, good works mentality that he can do it. And so Jesus is like, he's looking for another commandment. I'll give you something to do. I'll give you something to do. Go and sell all your possessions. Just go, that's what you need to do and come and follow me. You want something to do? That's what you have to do. That's if you want to be perfect, which I love it because he's speaking to the heart of this guy who probably feels not perfect, but he was desiring perfection. And actually the Greek word used there is another, you could go and find it in a different translation in the Bible as complete. He desired to be complete. He desired this perfection. That's what he desired. We, I think we all desire that to a degree. And he's like, if you want that, that, that what you're not feeling, that you want to feel that completeness, then sell all your possessions, give it all to the poor, and then come and follow me. 
which is easier said than done, right? But I think one of the things that we realize about him is he just kind of go. He, he's like, all right, it's too much. I'm out. Good. Peace, Jesus. Can't do that. So he goes away sad. But I think one of the biggest things about him is that his, his, his perception is all messed up coming into this all along. And I think it, a lot of our perceptions of what eternal life is, is kind of messed up and flawed, to be honest with you. This guy came in desiring eternal life. And I would argue that he's more concerned about eternal life than most of us are in this room. He's desiring eternal life. But his concept of eternal life would be life after death. And I think that's how we view eternal life as well. It's a life that starts once we pass away. It's our security blanket. That's how he thought. It was a security for all these possessions, this life he'd been building up. It's a security to getting to the next phase of life. And while that's great and all, that's just not what eternal life is fully. See, if life is being able to react to your surroundings, if you have a heartbeat and you're, you're alive right now and, and things are going on in your life, you're able to uh, have a conversation with someone and get mad at someone and be able to react. If you're alive and your heart's pumping, you can do all that. You can react to this physical world. But if you're dead, you can't do that. Like you can't react to the people around you. You can't do that. Once you pass away, you pass away. Your body is no longer here. And so this guy is speaking, we're talking about eternal life. Eternal life would be able to respond to a God divine reality. And so what I mean by that is that it's something that starts before you actually die. And that goes beyond your death. It's beyond your existence. It's eternal life. And it starts at the moment that you surrender your life to Christ. That's where eternal life is found. Eternal life is not something you get by doing the right thing. Eternal life is found in a relationship with God. You could say that eternal life is knowing God. It's coming into this deep intimacy with God where the transparency is there and he knows everything about you and you're communing with him and you're getting and you're having conversations with him in the car when you wake up in the morning. I mean, you're praying to God and you're just talking with him and telling him what's on your heart and he knows the depths. He knows what this guy is feeling, this lack of security. This lack, he knows those thoughts, those anxious thoughts that keep us up at night. He knows those and it's communing it's pouring your heart out to God and it's reacting with him, but acknowledging that he died for your sins. He went to the cross for your sins. He conquered death on that cross when he came back to life, when he was resurrected. And so the concept of eternal life isn't how this guy pictures it. And it's probably not how most of us picture it all the time either. Eternal life starts at the moment of surrendering to Jesus. Knowing God from there. And it goes beyond when you pass away, when your body is no longer working in this plan, because you're still able to react to God in this relationship with God past your death. That's eternal life. It's knowing God. It's having a relationship with the Father. There's no greater joy than that. But there's, but there's always a problem to getting to this point where we can relate with the Father. And it was this guy's problem as well. There's things that keep us from surrendering to God. Maybe it's surrendering your life to Christ. Maybe you're not ready to do that. Maybe just surrendering daily to God. And those are idols. Those are the idols in our life. 
And, and Jesus speaks straight to this because he sees the situation for what it is. And so Jesus tells this, this parable, this hyperbole. He says, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is doing here is he's pointing to this camel who would have been the largest mammal animal in the, the Palestine territory at this time. And he's making a joke of it. He's like literally a needle, a needle, this camel through a needle, impossible. It ain't happening. Sorry. And it would have been a good joke. But it speaks to the impossibility of what it is when you have idols or possessions in your life. When you have these things that you place before God, because you know why it's hard to surrender your life to Christ when you have idols? Because you'll always go running to them before you ever go running to God. You'll always run to them every time because we live in a world of permanent pain. And so we're looking for a temporary solution. We'll always go for that temporary solution because it's just that little, if I could just escape it for a second, if I could just escape it for a minute, for the hour, man, then I wouldn't have to live with this pain. And this permanent pain is called sin. And you'll keep running to whatever your idol is time and time again. That's what you'll do. And so what's, what's your idol? You know, what is your idol? Do you know what your idol is? I mean, this guy had possessions. He had lots of items. Maybe it was security could be maybe the root cause of it all. Is, is your idol the TV? I mean, I, I like to go home sometimes and just zone out and watch the TV. It's easier that way. Maybe it's just looking at Facebook and seeing everyone else's life. Because that just kind of gives us relief. Maybe it's watching sports. Maybe it's going home and talking about other people. Because it's easier to talk about them than it is to look in the mirror. Maybe it's going to the alcohol. Man, that, that beer, that glass of wine that sits at home every night. The, the hard alcohol. Maybe that just takes the edge off and that's what you run to. Maybe it's some kind of painkillers. I don't know. Maybe it's the internet. Maybe you run to the internet. Something there. Something there that's elusive and intriguing and whatnot. Maybe you run to the wrong relationship. Maybe you run to the wrong people. Because this guy, when Jesus said, come and follow me, he goes the other way. He goes the other way. Jesus says, come and follow. And we see he gets sad and he runs the other way. He runs back to his possessions. He runs back to his idol. And where are you going to run? Are you going to run to that? Because it's only temporary. And what are you going to do when that, that time comes? When you, the thing that drives us to our idols is when the expectations of where we thought we wanted to be is not the reality of where we're at. And we run to the idol every time and we got multiple idols and we all have idols whether we want to admit it or not and maybe we've been drowning out the noise of the idol because we always run to it and it's always been our life so we wouldn't know anything different than it we could always do that we can always go back to that but paul has something to say about this when he's writing to to the to the church of corinth he says in Corinthians 10, he says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. 
I think that's the biggest lie that we live in sometimes is that the, the idol that we run to, that we think we're the only one who have that idol. That we're too afraid to say anything to the people around us because we're afraid we're the only one. We live in this fear that if we said something, we might be exposed. And not to realize that maybe even the person sitting next to you has the exact same idol. The same thing that they're struggling with. But even if you have that, he says, God is faithful. Because God is. God is extremely faithful. He will not allow you, allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You have a way out. You have a way out every single time. So some of my dear friends flee for, from the worship of idols. Run the other way. Run away from the idols and run to God. What, what are you going to run to? At the end of the day, what, what will you run to? You have, you have so many options, so many things that you could go to. And he's saying, if you keep running away from that idol, there is a way out. And it's God. He will give you a way. He gave this guy a chance. He, this rich young ruler comes in and he looks at him and he's, he's telling him all these things and he keeps pointing to a relationship with God. He keeps pointing to God. There's a way out the entire time. But what did he do? He ran back to the He didn't flee. He ran right to it. And so what are you going to do when that moment of temptation comes and you want to go back to that thing, that one thing that just relieves just a moment, relieves it. One of the things I really struggle with, I really struggle with is anxiety. I struggle big time with it. And it, it, it leaks up and it comes into my life when I'm losing control. Because control is my idol. Control is the thing that I desperately grasp for. And if I feel like I'm out of control and I might not know what happens, and I start feeling that pit in the stomach, it starts coming on and it's real easy to run to the TV, to run to anything but to God. And when that feeling of anxiousness comes in, it's my signal every single time of where I need to run to. And yours looks different than mine, or maybe it looks similar as mine. I don't know. It's tough, and it's, e- it's easy to get in the wrong place at the wrong time. It is. It's easy to get there. It's so quick. But there's a place you can run. There's a place you can run. And so as this guy comes in, and he... He's this rich young ruler. He would have thought as, would have been looked on as blessed by God. That's how people would have viewed him high up in the, the Jewish culture and whatnot. And so people think that he has this, has this right relationship with God. Like the, he's, he's the guy. If he's anyone and he comes running in, gets down on his knees and he's begging Jesus to, to take this, whatever this is away. You know, really, that's, that's what he's doing. And Jesus says, well, you got to do this. And he runs the other way. So this guy who's in their culture believed to be, you know, saved or what, you know, looked on with favor by God isn't even good enough. I mean, really, like you want to look at it that way. That's, that's what he's, because he runs the other way. And so the disciples look at this and they go, well, wait a second. Then who in the world can be saved? Who can be saved? And so Jesus goes, humanly speaking, humanly speaking, let me see that on the slide. It is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You can't do it yourself. You can't do it. You're going to have the option today to, when services are, you're going to be able to run right back out the door and run right back to your idol. You're going to have that option. You're going to have that freedom. 
Because God's given you the choice. But there is a way out. And maybe, just maybe, you could run to God today. Maybe you came to church. I'm not saying coming to church is the answer. I'm saying what inside the church can do for you might be a way to run to God. We got people here who would love to walk with you and help you flee from your idol. We got small groups you can join. We got a lot of those options. You can come in. You can. It takes a while, but everyone after a while, you can peel back the layers and you can share what's going on because people in your small group are probably struggling with the same thing, believe it or not, because we're all sinners. We're all there. And so how are you going to run to God? How are you going to go straight to him with everything you've got? There's a lot of places to plug in around here. There's a lot of people, maybe someone you met right first walking in that you kind of got along with a little bit. Maybe go talk to them. Just, just plug in because that's what we are. We're a community of people who are running to God. That's who Sunrise Church is. We're going to constantly run to God. And it's not about getting it perfect. It's not about being perfect. Maybe that's what we desire, but it's about running to God with what we have and following him and surrendering your life to Christ. Because that's why it's possible. Because Jesus went up on the cross for our sins. And he died and then he was resurrected and he conquered death. And that was the permanent price. That was the permanent solution for the permanent pain that you're in. That's the only way is to surrender your life to Christ. The only way is to surrender right to him right there. And you got to do that even to a, to, a, to a lower level daily. Daily. And you get that choice. It's the permanent solution. It is the permanent solution for the permanent pain. And it's not temporary. The pain will always be there. You're a sinner. You're born into sin. That's who we are. The law shows us where we fall short. You can look at that law a thousand ways to Sunday and you are not going to meet the standard of it. And God knew that. So that's why he sent Jesus. Because he loves you. He cares for you. He's faithful. He's everlasting. He goes beyond anything and beyond anything that you will encounter in your day. Any temptation. He has the power in it. And it may not turn out the way exactly you planned. It may not be the way you expected it, but God is faithful. He's so faithful. And some of you today, like you got, you got to make that decision. You got to make that decision and run to Christ, run to Jesus Christ and take him in as your savior. You've got to do that. And we want to help you with that. We really do. There's going to be people who come up here. You can pray with them afterwards. I want you just come up. Don't let the enemy sit there and tell you that you're the only one with that problem. Because you're not. It's the biggest lie you'll ever believe. And you're the only one with that idol. Jesus Christ went and paid the price for you. You shouldn't, you don't need to run to it. He's given you the ultimate permanent solution. Let's pray. Lord, I just, I thank you so much for you just working in all our lives, God, that you're just, you're, you're at work. And you're good and you're faithful. And your mercies are new every day, Lord. I'm just so thankful that you're alive and you're well and that you're working in all of us to transform us and conform us to more of your image, Lord. And so I pray that there's someone in this room, Lord, I'm telling you, that's running to their idol. There's all of us are running to our idol, but there's someone who really wants to take that step today, God. And I just, I pray 
for who those are, whoever they are, all of us in this room specifically, Lord, that we would run to you. And, but you would give the person who's been hiding in that idol for so long and worshiping it, God, that they would just, they would come forward, you know, they'd come forward and talk to someone. They just reach out because we're all sinners. We're all in the same boat, God. And so I just pray that they would, they'd come forward, God. They would just do that because there's only freedom in the cross. And I just pray that you'd, you'd show all of us that each, each day, each hour, each minute this week. Because we all need it, God. We all need a Savior. And we know you're at work. We know you're alive and well. And we just pray that we, can, we see that throughout every moment of every day. That we would run to you. And that we would flee the idols of our lives, God. In Jesus' name. Amen.